Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. It's Wednesday, January 31st, so it's the close of the first year. No more Happy New Year's. That should have ended halfway through January, by the way. But yeah, we're going to start about an 11-12 week run of events. So, you know, a little quiet on the news side, a few things to discuss, but we do have two great interviews for you. Luis Palomino, one of the greatest bare-knuckle fighters ever, a respectable career in mixed martial arts. He gets down against a former boxer named Austin Trout, boxing champion, I should say. Uh, They're fighting at BKFC this Friday. It's called BKFC 57. Of course, you can catch things on the bare-knuckle fighting app. And then uh, Brandon Marino, he's fighting in about a little inside of a month down in Mexico. It's UFC Fight Night Moreno versus Royville. So those two interviews, some news. Let's get to it. We'll be right back to start the show. Goes after going to Karate Combat. Where does Karate Combat rank versus bare knuckle for you Ooh, uh, i've never been to a bare knuckle live but so i i can only uh i can only talk about maybe just the product overall bare knuckle to me is i think a little better um it's more exciting maybe you could say i think um and still makes you feel like uh yeah, yeah, no, bare, bare knuckle, bare knuckle for sure. But Karate Combat's not bad. And I've only seen one live, uh, but it was a lot of fun, and they had good talent. Um, was it violent? I don't know if I ever asked you that. Not much more than boxing or MMA. But it was kind of like Thunderdome-ish, you know? Like I said, we looked like we were in a lumberjack match because we were mm-hmm. right around, like literally right where the action was. Mm-hmm. But and, and I didn't even realize that later when I saw the product online, it looked like we were in a different place because I guess they green screen the top of it. Um, but I, I have to imagine, dude, bare knuckle, if it comes across that good on television, I can't imagine what one would be like live. I mean, it seems to be pretty cool. All right. What do you think of Kevin Lee announcing his comeback? He's no longer retired. So the longtime UFC lightweight who then dabbled over at welterweight, went over and fought for Eagle FC. Uh, 
he retired uh, in 2023, and now he's saying, quote, I'm coming out of retirement. He wrote on X, formerly Twitter, I'll fight MMA again. I don't know when, where, or who yet, but I'm dropping white, getting into shape now. I'm going to get in the best shape of my life. That's my focus right now. It's been six months since I retired. I miss being around the sport. Short and sweet, the 31-year-old uh, last fought against Renat uh, Fakrandinov. And that was his first promotion back. Sorry. That was his first fight back with the UFC since he was released in November of 2021. Your thoughts? I kind of expected it. And actually, maybe a week ago, I was kind of thinking about him. And I was thinking, I I, I don't know why. I just had this feeling he was going to come back. So it didn't catch me by surprise. Um, And that's no disrespect to him. It's just, you know, this is something that he's done for so long. And I just didn't, aside from the actual fighting part, I think there's other parts of it that he loves. And I think sometimes you just need to walk away from stuff for a little bit. And, you know, part of it's for your own sanity, but also Mm -hmm. to kind of remind you how much you like it. He stopped having fun, it looked like. Mm -hmm. And he was on a roll. It looked like it was fun to him. And then obviously everyone takes a loss, but he took his hard. Then he would make these radical changes, switching camp, moving across the country, just... I don't know. Look, I I get it. When Robert Fowler's passed away, it affected a lot of people. But, you know, it's not like I'm trying to be someone that's not empathetic. That's not me at all. Uh, but I watch a lot of sports. A lot of athletes can go and connect with the next guy. You know, it's um, your coach can leave you. I mean, <laughs> I feel for him. You know, and I heard him and Misha Tate and a few others really, really speak highly of Robert Fallis. But like I say, I remember GSP was with Greg Jackson for a long time. And then Greg Jackson kind of took a secondary role and he finished with Farad Zahavi. So uh, I just think he needs to get his head straight and have fun again. Because that's the Kevin Lee I remember, man. That's the one I remember that was just... Seemed like when he was out there, he really was out there entertaining, not not stressing a win bonus. Yeah, yeah. If he can get back to that, I mean, look, even Kevin Lee, not on his best day, still presents a lot of threats for a lot of fighters. But if he can somehow get back even a fraction of, of what he was there when he was on top, he could make some decent money here. The question is where? You know, I don't know what his contract is like as far as, uh, when he retired from the UFC, if it means he's got to come back to the UFC, or if he has other options, but uh, there's you know definitely some players out there now. Yeah, well, there's no longer. Well, I guess there is a Bellator kind of, but I just look at it all as PFL. I'd like to see him back in the UFC. They re-signed him. I hit. I, I don't think they said sure come back, but you know this one fight will make or break you. You know I think they'll hold on his rights and. He'll go back to them, and that'll be that. I certainly hope it's a lightweight, though. He just seems undersized as a welterweight. Some of them shots affect him, you know, Uh, and I'd rather get hit by someone 15 pounds lighter, that's for sure. Yeah. He's perfect for for something in the middle, you know, but uh, 
but yeah, I, I would like to see that. And if that doesn't happen, then you know some of these other uh, organizations do have different weight classes that fall in between. So you never know. Yeah. What did you think of Raquel Pennington hitting back at Ryan Clark? Ryan Clark said uh, he, they should just scrap the whole bantamweight division, which is how I felt about the featherweight division. But mm-hmm. bantamweight, I thought he took it a little too far. She kind of defended herself. I'm not too sure about some of the things she said. You know, hey, just because you've never been in there, you don't like, you know, you don't know what we're going through. Well, in the case of Ryan Clark, I mean, he played professional football and won a Super Bowl. So he knows what it's like to perform in front of a crowd, wins, the highs of the wins and the lows of the losses. So is that apples to apples? I suppose not. But it almost sounded like she was talking to just some YouTuber, you know? Yeah. I'm curious. Although I I felt like I had her back in what she was saying. I mean, I I think he's out of line to say terminate (laughs) Vanna Waite. Well, yeah, we're not going to do that every time we see a fight we don't like, right? Like, that division has a good history. You know, there was times where, like, the light heavyweight division wasn't that great, right? Or even the heavyweight. Like, they all kind of go through their little ups and downs. Yep. But this is a division that's proved to to put out some very tough ladies. So maybe this was just a time where uh, it's a little down. But, you know, these, can, these divisions can bounce back really quickly. So we'll see. But... Uh, She's kind of gotten a little edgy, and it, it's been cracking me up a little bit. You know, she had her her responses for Sean Strickland as well, and I, I like that she's speaking up a little bit, and I think that that's going to help her to kind of be in the public eye a little bit. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought she had every right to kind of defend herself, and uh, that point of view from Ryan Clark, I wasn't even feeling a little bit, you know? Me neither. I mean, they – Okay, he should have said that when maybe Nunes left, which was like about six or seven months ago. Hey, the greatest just retired. I, I don't see much talent here. Scrap it. Okay. You know, I guess I, I now you got Kayla Harrison was just signed. Nunes is kind of warm to a comeback. Jermaine Durandamy is kind of coming out of a retirement. Like, that's three big names that that division just added. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't really see his point. Yeah, which is weird because, like, you and I, we're not going to agree on everything. And there's times on spinning back click where we don't agree on everything. But I think you can still kind of see where somebody's coming from. This was one in particular where I just didn't understand it at all. Mm, I agree. Let's get to one of our interviews. So Brandon Marino's got a big fight coming up. I mean, they're all big, man. This guy's a former champion. He's done it twice. He wants to get his gold back one more time and probably hang on to it for a bit. He's got Brandon Royville ahead of him. It was supposed to be Amir Albazi. Now it's Brandon Royville. They're headlining a card out in Mexico City, Mexico on February 24th. It's called UFC Fight Night. Marino versus Royville 2 because this is a rematch. We'll be right back with the Assassin Baby. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Ghost are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to UFC flyweight Brandon Marino, who's got a big fight coming up against Brandon Royville 
at the UFC card in Mexico. Brandon, of course, as you all know, is a two-time defending, uh, sorry, two-time champion in the flyweight division. He wants that gold back. What's going on, Brandon? How are you? What's up, guys? Nothing. Just, I mean, here in Mexico, enjoying my time, uh, enjoying my training camp. Um, yeah, like, like you say, I'm super excited to for my next fight. When did you get to Mexico, and what's the hardest adjustment? Because you've been living in the United States for a while now. We're going to hear about the altitude, air pollution, food and drink. How about for you? What's the toughest adjustment? Every, every single time when uh, UFC make a, a, a UFC event in, in, in Mexico City, the altitude is, is always uh, a conversation around, right? So I just want to make sure. I think everybody is, is different. So I just I don't, I don't want to pass any detail in this training camp. And that's why I came here. Um, I'm training very hard and, you know, again, I'm super excited for this opportunity. Um, I know Brandon Royal is going to come very motivated. Uh, it's this position, nothing to lose, everything to win, uh, because he'll be recently, right, in, in December. So, I mean, for me, it's just to make it a statement and put, uh, keep my name there for the, for, the flyweight, uh, for the flyweight championship in the future. You know, I wanted to ask you, when the matchmakers call you, do you ever say, otra vez el mismo way? Because if you think about it, your last 12 fights, 10 of them have been rematches. You know, twice with Royal, twice with Pantoja, really three if you count the, the reality show, four with Figgy, two with Royal. Like, what's going on here? Man, I mean, uh, <laughs> what can I say? Like, obviously... If you watch my my record in the last years since 2020, I'll, I'll be fighting with the same guys, and it's kind of tired, it's kind of boring, but it is what it is. I, I, I added uh, for this fight against Admiral Basi because you know new body, new game plan, new everything. So I was excited for that, but then he had to pull out for an injury, uh, and I mean, this is how this sport works, and I understand. I understand. Um, Brandon Royal jumped for the opportunity. And then, I mean, obviously, again, yes, it's, it's tired, it's, it's boring, but fight is a fight, win is a win, and I need this win to keep my name there, you know? When it was you and Albazi, it was regarded as a number one, uh, number one contender fight. Do you feel it's still the same? Maybe just for you, though, because Royal just fought for the title. So is are the stakes the same for you, though? Yeah, for sure, 100%. Like, like I said before, Maybe for Roy Ballis, you know, try to get this victory and, and keep his name there, you know, at the top. But for me, it's like, like put everything very clear, you know, make the statement to, to say, hey, Brandon Moreno is the next one for the, for the, for the title. Um, so that's why I'm saying uh, Brandon Roy Ballis is going to be very motivated to, to beat me. Uh, and for me, I, I have to be very focused uh, to get this victory uh, if I want to uh, fight for the, for the title next. In your career, Brandon... You've had a lot of great fights, a lot of great finishes. Is there one of those that's your favorite that when you're doing your training camps, you're like, man, something like that is what I want to finish in front of my people in Mexico? Uh, for sure. Like, man, I, I fought already twice in, in, in Mexico City. The first one in 2017, I, I lost. And the second one, I, I got a, a, a draw uh, for the, from the judges. Uh, a lot of people think I won, but... You know, it is what it is. So yes, I, I feel more very extra motivated to to put my my hand up 
to raise my hand uh, in front of my people. And I'm very excited too, because uh, I mean, the arena is so loud already. So the people, the, the arena will be full of, 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 a lot of Mexicans supporting me and obviously supporting all the, the Mexican fighters on the card. Pero te voy a hacer la pregunta en español, por si acaso. ¿Cuál de todas tus fini uh, finishes es tu favorita que te gustaría replicar para tu público? Oh, ok. Uh, damn, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a, a, a few good ones. I think that the last one with Figgy was kind of nice. I wanted to finish the fight inside of the round, right? No, no waiting for the doctor to stop the fight. But, I mean, that hook was amazing. Something like that will be awesome. Wait up. <laughs> Brandon, you mentioned uh, Figgy, and I did have a question, not so much about him, but, you know, he, he just had a fight at 135, and I wonder, uh, have you thought about the future a little bit down the road? Do you think maybe one day you could go up and be a 135-er, or do you feel like 125 is going to be where you're always going to be? I mean, never say never, right? But... I don't know. I think my body is perfect for the flyweight division. Um, I saw the uh, Figgy's uh, fight against Rob Font, and he looks very, very good. You know, he he looks very solid in that division. But I mean, he's he's a huge, a huge fighter, even for the 125. Uh, but to me, I think 125 is gonna be my home, my home, all my professional career. You never say never, right? But you know. <laughs> You know, the other day uh, in a conversation, we were talking about Julio Cesar Chavez and the impact that he had for boxing in Mexico. And I got to thinking, because he was, I was watching an interview with him. Yeah. And he was talking about how much pressure he had on him aside from fighting. And in our sport, in mixed martial arts, you've kind of carried that torch for a while. Can you maybe talk about the pressures that come with not just being Brandon Moreno, the fighter, but Brandon Moreno, the father, Brandon Moreno the representative of an entire country in one sport. Um, can you maybe talk about that? Has it gotten easier? Yeah. Um, man, what can I say? Like, I, I think since my first fight against Figgy, 20, December, all my life is around constant uh, pressure every time. Every single fight for a championship. Uh, name of Brandon Moreno is, is, is big since that time. It's bigger since that time. Um, and I don't know, I, you know, I'm just trying to don't think about it because if I think if I overthink about about it, it could be hard for me to, to, to support all the pressure around myself. So yes, man, I mean, that's my secret. I, I live in pressure, but at the same time, I'm just trying to don't think about it. <laughs> What do you do uh, in the sense of Amir Al-Bazi? You know, the time that was put in there of trying to figure out a game plan, training for a specific fighter. Do you feel like eventually that fight's just going to happen? It's eventually it'll happen down the road. And how, how different was it for you to have to kind of turn the page a little bit towards a, a very different fighter in Brandon Royville? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the fight is going to happen in the future uh, for sure. I think uh, Amir Albasi is an amazing opponent. He just got an injury in his neck. He posted something in his social media about his surgery and everything. So I wish him a, a, a good and, and fast recovery. And for sure, I think he, that 
that fight could happen in the future. Um, the good thing about this, you know, uh, about Amir pulling out of the fight, just was like he gave me enough time to find another opponent and have the uh, enough time to make another game plan. You know, obviously, uh, Brandon Royval is a different body, it's a, a different style. Um, and that's it, you know, was like it's, it's un uh, uncomfortable um, when some fighter pull out of the fight, but I, I had enough time to, to plan everything again. And then uh, now here's a couple questions that I'm just curious about. Um, okay. Which former opponent is cool? Like if Dana White said, you're going to be sitting here, but I only have one seat. We don't have many seats, so you can't bring anyone. And one of your former opponents is going to be sitting next to you. Who would you hope that it is because you get along? Even though you guys fought, you guys are cool. <laughs> Man, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't remember which event it was, but I mean, that happened like kind of recently. I see next to uh, Kaikara France. He's very cool with me. I mean, we are very uh, we are very cool each other. Obviously, we have always this uh, competitive feeling between us because we are the same division and we, we fought twice in the past. But I think him is is is, is cool. <laughs> well, it was probably cool for you because you're two and zero, but maybe it wasn't cool for him. <laughs> but anyway, he um, fine for me. But I mean, if we talk about. Someone I, I lost. I mean, I I I don't care if I sit next with with Pantoja. He's he's kind of weird sometimes, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have you ever met any Mexican fans that just don't like you? Um, you know, sports fans can be kind of just weird. I guess I don't know, but yeah, um, I, I I don't know. Have you ever met like I, I know a lot of McGregor fans, a lot of Irish fans, not a lot, but I I've heard of some that don't like McGregor. So I don't think the question's unusual. Huh. Man, no, I don't. I don't think so. But if you think about it, it's not like a hater come with you. Like, hey, man, I hate you. They never do that. So that's why I think I don't. I don't know uh, anyone who doesn't like like me. <laughs> You're gonna fight this in February in Mexico, but ideally, um, Independence Day or maybe even Cinco de Mayo. Which, for those that don't know, it's more of a battle here, United States, Mexico. So I think Independence Day is more appropriate. But uh, have you spoken to the UFC about the importance of having these fight dates that are traditionally given to you know boxing events to have them, but maybe in Mexico? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't talk with with, with them uh, directly, but I, they start to watch all the the influence they they are putting in, in in Mexico, right, with the Mexican crowd. So, for example, last year the the Noche UFC was was huge uh, for right. the promotion. I, I was part of the promotion, you know, like I did like meet and greets around, uh, you know, all the people uh, supporting Alexa and all the uh, the Mexican fighters. So that that kind of uh, situations for UFC. I mean, they can watch uh, all the importance of, of the MMA in, in, in Mexico. So, I don't know, man. I mean, starting for, from that, from Nacho UFC, I think they want to they wanna do that event now, like every year. So, that's huge for us. Uh, and, man, I just believe with the pass of the time, this, they're just going to watch a really good uh, cards with a lot of Mexicans and, there's, and they start to put more events for us, for sure. Brandon, at UFC 296, how did you score the big fight? 
That was Strickland against against <laughs> Dricus Duplessis, right? No, no, no. That was UFC 297. UFC 296. Uh, yeah, but oh, guess what? Pantoja against Roybal? Yeah, but I, I, I did a, a bad joke. I was gonna I was gonna let you start answering and then I was gonna ask you, no, I'm talking about Strickland and DDP. It was right next to you. You had the best seat in the house. He asked Gilbert Burns' kids to move to the side. Oh, you were on the crazy. other side. Crazy, you had front row for that, huh? Well, that, that moment was insane. It was it was funny to be there. I, actually I remember watching Strickland and DDP behind me. And then I, I turned my face to start to talk with my wife. I was ready to tell, tell her like, "Hey, let's move up. Let's move a little bit because everything is, is, is uh, something is going to happen right now." But in that moment, I say something is going to happen. It's just like jump, and everything start to be a mess. Everything was fine, but then a bodyguard pushed me, and I went to the ground. It's fine. <laughs> I just I just wanted to protect my wife. <laughs> So you had a feeling that a fight might break out. You didn't think they were just going to go face to face for the cameras. You actually had a feeling a fight might break out. I think it was very clear, and actually Dana White said the same. I mean, who put a Strickland uh, and you know I'm behind uh, uh, who put DDP behind the Strickland? It's, it's, it's insane. So yeah, for sure, I man. You can you can you can see in his eye like man, something's going to happen. Uh huh. Has Legos ever approached you about any kind of sponsorship or being an ambassador or anything like that? I mean, you got millions <laughs> of followers, you're a world champion, and you're open about how much you like Legos. The only guys I know in MMA that like Legos is you and Dan Hardy. I don't know if you know that, but Dan Hardy loves Legos. Any luck with that? Yeah, he he, he showed me actually a few a few pictures of his collection. That's very cool. But no, man, I mean, the, the last time uh, my management talked with, with them, uh, they say something like, my my fans, they're not uh, their target. So I'm like, ah, come on, guys. <laughs> but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, are you a fan of all the flyweights? Like, for example, when Figgy fought Rob Font, even though you and Figgy fought four times, were you rooting for him because he's a former flyweight? Or were you rooting for Font? I guess I'm just curious about you know if you if all the flyweights are kind of fans of each other because this is a this, <laughs> if you think about it, Brandon, this is a um, division that it took a long time to come to show up. Then they wanted to do yeah. away with it. Then they brought it back. You know, so you guys are like a fraternity. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I was I was rooting maybe a little bit more for Figgy because. Uh, that you say, like, he's coming from 125, he's representing us, kind of, like, maybe, yes, maybe inside of myself, of me, was, like, rooting a little bit more for, for Figgy, and, man, I don't have, like, any bad blood with the other uh, flyweights, if, if, I don't know if you can see my, my social media or whatever, but I'm trying to don't put too much attention on, on what they are saying or what, what they are posting or, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy my life and, and, and be with my family and, and just use my social media just to do something nice there. And that's it. Have you ever heard of the hydration system that one championship uses where you just have to maintain your weight and not drop to 125, for example, to be considered a, a flyweight? 
as long as you have a hydrated 135. Have you heard anything about that? Because like Demetrius Johnson, he went over to one championship. He says, I never want to cut to 125 again, but yet he's still regarded as a flyweight because the hydration system allows him to get to 135. Do you know anything about that? And if, if so, would, do you think that would be something you'd be interested in here in the United States? Man, that would be cool, but man, you have to go against a whole uh, system in the athletic commission he, here in in United States, and I think that's a it's a really hard fight to 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 have. Okay, but mm -hmm. yes, I, I hear about all, all the the system a one championship has about the weight cut, and sounds good, you know. Uh, I, mean, I would love to fight in my, my natural weight, you know, and don't put all, all my attention in my weight cut. And man, I, I'm a guy who loves food, you know. I'm Mexican, Mexican food is delicious, so. <laughs> I don't know, man. I would love to eat a little bit more in my training camp so I'm be more happy because when you start to do your training camp and you start to cut some weight and you start to cut some calories and the energy is a little bit low. So I would love to eat a little bit more in my training camps. Do you have a cheat day or a cheat meal during training camp? And if so, what is it? Always depends. Always depends my my uh, how is my my weight in that moment, you know. Uh, normally, so I work with um, with the nutritionist at the GMCPI. His name his name is Charles. He's the best. So he, he put me always like every week a, a goal to get. Okay, like a, for, I don't know, for example, this week you have to be one forty five. Next next week you have to be in one forty three. You know, and. Uh, everything like that. So if I'm, I'm getting my goals right, uh, I ask uh, Charles if I have to eat, if I can eat something. Uh, yeah, normally he, he gave me something. Um, but yeah, I mean, my favorite shit meal? Man, man, I'm a food lover. So about food, my, my number one is Mexican food for sure. And I think my second one is maybe Italian food. I love pasta, I love pizza, all that stuff. I don't know, man. It always depends. Pero más específico en hablando de la comida mexicana, so more specifically in the Mexican food, ¿cuál es tu plato favorito? Estamos curiosos de eso. Easy money. Tacos. The first one. Tacos. Very simple. Uh, you put meat or you put beef, you put uh, some onions, cilantro, guacamole, Tacos, very simple. And I mean, you can you can exchange the meat for whatever, you know. A, a taco is for everything. The second plate of Mexican food, I think, can be chilaquiles. I man, eat, eat, eat breakfast with chilaquiles. You know, chilaquiles verdes with with eggs. Man, oh, man, delicious. Hmm. Well, I have <laughs> another question. I'm in Peru. Yo estoy en Perú ahorita. I'm in Peru right now, and I've been here okay. for about two months. So you're making my mouth water. I can't get wait to get back to Las Vegas and have <laughs> Mexican food. I haven't had any Mexican food either. I, I, I have to keep up on that same topic because now I got to know, what's your favorite spot in, in Las Vegas for tacos and for pizza? Oh, man. I don't have a... I don't have an, uh, um, a favorite spot in, in, in Vegas for, 
for tacos. I, I, you know what? I like tacos al gordo. The, the flavor is good. It's very similar than, than Tijuana. Not the same, but very similar. Uh, mm -hmm. I like tacos al gordo. I'm talking about pizza. Man, Vegas has a, a lot of different places uh, with good pizza, you know? Uh, I'm just trying to think of, uh, about one specific place, but, man, so close to my home, close to my home I, we have a, 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 an Italian restaurant. It's, like, very small. It's, it's very nice because it feels like, like home. Like, it's small, and the pizza is really good. All right, listen. We live probably, like, 10 minutes from you. So after this fight, I'm going to take you to a pizza place and a taco place. And if I pass the test, let's go. I want to be, I, I want the position of the UFC PI, the reverse of him. All right. He's the guy that helps you make weight. I'm the guy that puts it back on. Okay. That'll be my <laughs> new role in your kid. <laughs> so when, when we're done we with have, that, I, I have one guy like that here in Mexico. Yeah. I have a friend. So his name is El, el Desnutriólogo, Desnutritionist. <laughs> what is it again? El uh, we, we always make jokes about it. Uh, like, oh yeah, we have the or, we have our nutritionist and everything. We have you know, tenemos a nuestro nutricionista, pero también mm -hmm. tenemos a, a nuestro desnutriólogo. We have our <laughs> desnutriólogo. That's awesome. Man, I can't stop thinking about tilaquiles. Okay, um, so let me ask you this: Dana White has talked about fights in the sphere. Have you been to the sphere yet? Ooh. And if, if so, like. What do you think? That, is that something that maybe you need to get there a little bit earlier and just kind of absorb it? Because it seems so distracting, you know, all that going on as a fight is actually happening because you're going to be right by the screen. Uh, what do you think that's going to be like for you? Man, I don't know, but I, I feel very interested in, uh, to know how a gypsy is going to is going to make all the production around that that place you know i'll be i'll be there just out of the of this sphere and it's amazing it's incredible dana white went to the to a to a press conference saying the next uh, not sure what is going to be there so man I'm, I'm just interested to 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 see how the production is going to be in that event and for sure you never know hopefully i can fight there Last one from me. If this were the Brandon Moreno book, or you know, what would you say would be the name of the chapter that's about to start right now in 2024? Oh, uh, wow, man. I mean, I would love to say the comeback, but I mean, I, I, I won the title. I lost it. I lost the title, and I won the title again. So that was my comeback. This one, I don't know, like maybe the the res, the resilience chapter of my life can be, you know. Um, every single every single day when I wake up in the morning and, and I have to put all my hard work, uh, I'm just trying to remember to remember myself why I'm, I'm started doing this. You know, I, it's been it's gonna it's been a, a long journey for me. I'm, I'm I'm very young, but at the same time I'm start this very. Uh, I had a, a lot of good and bad moments in my life. I always say this like my life is a kind of roller coaster, but I mean. I, I I couldn't change uh, this life for nothing. I love my life, and, and I'm enjoying here. Even right now, when I'm still doing sacrifice, when the people think maybe like, oh, he he was a champion, he he doesn't need to do more uh, more sacrifices. Man, you never you never finish to pay the price. Right now, I'm here in Puebla with a lot of different fighters in one home, and far from my home, from far from my home, far from far from my daughter, from my wife, suffering a little bit. But that uh, that took me. Uh, you know, with with angry, with with hungry, you know. So I'm just enjoying this. 
last one from me. Uh, are you friends or do you know Sergio Checo Perez? And did you go to F1 in Las Vegas? No, I, I don't have the opportunity. I was in, I, I was in Dallas when uh, F1 went to, to Las Vegas. I was training in 40s MMA with, with, with Safe, um, with Coach Safe. And I know, I don't know Checo Perez, but uh, hopefully in, in the future I can meet him. He's, he's, he's getting a huge name in Mexico uh, right now. Yeah, he was doing really, really good in that race. Uh, I thought he had a good chance to win, but there was a lot of Mexican fans there. It was awesome to see Mexico always represents, whether it's soccer, boxing, <laughs> MMA, F1, man. And there was a lot of them there to support Checo Perez. It was really cool uh, to see. And they're going to be there for the next 10 years, I yeah. think they've committed. So hopefully you can go to one. Hopefully I can have the opportunity. I never, I never been in a F1 uh, race before. Yeah, it's cool. Brandon, thank you so much for the time today. It was great catching up with you. I hope you have a safe camp, whatever's left of it. I guess about another three weeks or so and a, a great weight cut and the fight of your life in front of your Mexican fans, man, against Brandon Royble. We can't wait. Awesome, guys. Thank, thank you so much. And, and nothing. Nice to talk with you guys. I, I'll see you in the future. Did you notice when you asked them about the pressure of being, you know, kind of an iconic figure in Mexico, he, he kind of politely said, I'm good. Like, I don't really want to carry that burden for some mm -hmm. reason. I just want to have fun. And I guess a lot of pressure comes with that. I think so. I, I think a lot, you know, especially um, at his age, you know, when that when all that started, it, it does seem to be a lot. So I can see where he's coming from. You know, look, when we try and book him for interviews, it's way different now than it was before. And it's always, it's never, he doesn't want to do it. It's more like he's over here doing this or he's doing that. Or today he's doing this signing or tomorrow he's over at, you know, training at this facility. He lives a, a pretty uh, active life as a fighter. So I can't imagine on top of all of that, having that kind of a stress that comes from a country, you know, especially when it, a country that's so rich in combat sports. Mm. Yeah. They love themselves combat sports, their athletes in general. So yeah, he was pretty polite and honest about it. A few uh, notes here. Sean Brady versus Vicente Luque is not going down. And that sucks. I thought that was good matchmaking. I felt bad for Luke because he's the one that kind of get left holding his dick after Ian <laughs> Gary backed out. Next thing you know, Ian Gary's already booked. You know, yeah. so then this guy gets uh, Sean Brady, but it sounds like that's just not going to happen. So uh, I guess Brady's ha has an injury, never signed a bad agreement, but maybe it was Dana White jumping the gun or someone. I don't know. Uh, they still got Blanchfield versus Farrell, which I think is um, that's solid to me. It's a solid enough fight that it could headline, and uh, Chris Weidman could be his possible last fight back. Uh, Jandaroba versus Godinez, kind of digging that one. Dominic Reyes versus Altberg, although I thought I heard that one fell apart, but maybe we need to update the site. Who knows? Um, Hey, it's a fight night. Just if the main event's solid, the rest of the night will usually come through. Like the UFC's gold in that regard. But mm -hmm. yeah, no Brady versus Luke. Um, 
So, you know, we'll, we'll be on it. Uh, here's another thing that's interesting. Jim Miller wants to be announced at UFC 300 as Jim fucking Miller. <laughs> but Bruce Buffer says, sorry, I don't like to curse when I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of this? Uh, you think Bruce will come around? You know, John Anik said, well, I, that doesn't mean I can't do it at the weigh-ins. Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking about this because if there's one guy that hasn't really changed since I've known him, it's probably Bruce Buffer. He seems like the same guy. Like you can kind of tell what you're going to get out of him and he's a good person. So if that's how he feels, then I have to applaud him for sticking to it. But if there's ever a time to maybe, uh, pull away from that where I think everybody would just understand like, Hey, Bruce, it's not you. It's the situation. It might mm-hmm. be this one because I don't want to really, I hope nobody takes this wrong in a bad way, but the comparison I'm going to use is like, this is almost like uh, this could possibly be one of his last fights. And to me, that's the equivalent of like me giving my last wishes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you just got to kind of, kind of really pay attention to it and, and say, look, man, I mean, the guy's done so much. This is what he's asking for. I don't really love doing it, but look, it's not like he's going to ask me to do it again next time. Right. Or mm-hmm. anything. So I, if I were Bruce, I might cave on this one. Me too. Um, but I also understand if he doesn't want to, and I don't hold it against him. Yeah. I think you should cave, but did you see that tweet about, Vietnamese food pho, you know, P-H-O. And obviously, if you're the best at putting it away, you'd be the king of it, right? Mm -hmm. So couldn't you be the pho king? Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. When I I saw that, I was laughing my ass off. If you're the king of putting away Vietnamese food called pho, then you could be Jim fucking Miller. Yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. That's one way around it. I mean, it's creative as hell. There's no way Bruce Buffer didn't see that giggle and go, all right, touche, it's on, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going back to Pennington, she thinks Harrison, Kayla Harrison, is going to be exposed in the UFC. I thought she went a little bit overboard. I think Harrison's phenomenal, dude. I think she's a physical specimen that keeps getting better and better. And look, maybe what she's saying is she ain't going to come over here and go 6-0. and Okay, but exposed but almost sounds like you're gonna go two and four or three and three, and I that ain't happening. I think Harrison's gonna do well. Who has gone over and done something like that, right? Eddie Alvarez lost his first fight. He won a he won a belt. He lost his first fight. Justin Gagey won a belt, but he didn't absolutely wreck shop. He's had his losses. Where some of the other guys that have come over uh, from other organizations, like. I think it'd be really hard to come over and just absolutely bully everyone. Mm. I think she's going to have some problems early on. And it, and it, I think it's just a little bit a lack of experience just because every, every fight for me, Kayla Harrison seems to improve. And so, um, you know, the UFC is nowhere to be learning. So I think that can be tough. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, but she's not sitting out of fight. 16 or 15 fights, so she's not a rookie. They're not, in the like, sport. They're not the highest of uh, opposition, though. 
you know, UFC is the highest of op- opposition every single time. Maybe, man. But when I saw her, I guess it was at 45. But, dude, she mopped up uh, Aspen Ladd. And Aspen Ladd was top 10. And I don't know. I, I I think Harrison has a shot at being a champ. Now, if Nunes comes back, that might be tougher. But mm-hmm. um, Harrison's kind of impressed me, man, over the over time. I Now, when it gets to picking her against Nunes and Cyborg, that's tough. Because those are two badass chicks there, right? You know. Both of them. One of them's retired. The other one's on her way out. But um, may, you know, maybe we'll see. I I think the worst if she fights five times, the worst she would go is three and two. I I see her as four and one, maybe even five and zero. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's get to our next interview. Least Palomino, baboon, probably the greatest bare knuckle fighter ever, uh, at least in the modern era. I'm sure there's someone that went 400 no in the 1800s, but yeah, this guy's nine and no at bare knuckle fighting championship. He's uh, got six title defenses, and he's won titles in two different weight classes. Like the dude is a stud, man. Uh, he's got a fight coming up against Austin Trout, a two-time boxing champion, WBA uh, super welterweight champ. Or junior middleweight, whatever you want to call it. WBC, I think, calls it a junior middleweight. And I think WBA calls it super welterweight. Same thing, 154 pounds. Uh, he looked good against Diego Sanchez. He looks comfortable out there. This is going to be a great one. BK57, it's this weekend. Let's talk to Baboon in 10 seconds. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the world of combat sports. Today we get to talk to Luis Palomino, welterweight champion, uh, lightweight and welterweight champion, although we're going to clarify that in this interview. He's got a big fight coming up against Austin Trout this weekend. What's going on, Luis? How are you? Doing great, brother. How you guys are doing? Thank you for having me over again, man. Doing great. All right. You know what's ironic is uh, I'm in Peru right now. So oh, no way. <laughs> I'm talking to a Peruvian while in Peru. Goes is in Las Vegas. Pleasure to have you on. Um, Luis, straighten that out for us. You know, you were a champ champ at BKFC. Then for a while, we heard that you might have even parted ways with BKFC. Now you're back. It looks like one of the titles is still yours. And this is a title fight. At least that's what Austin Trout told us a few weeks ago. We'll straighten this mess out for us. All right, so first of all, I've never parted ways with BKFC. Uh, some people might have thought that because they, they hadn't had me fight in over like nearly a year already. Um, I was the two-way division champion. I am the two-way division champion. Uh, when when I defended my belt for the sixth time, for the third time, I had already matched the most title defenses in BK, BKFC history. It was Joey Beltran that had three world title defenses in BKFC. Nobody has surpassed that. Once I completed the three title defenses, I said, I want to defend my 165-pound title. And, you know, I kept asking for it and asking for it, and I fought three times in a row after that, and I didn't get that fight. And then I got stripped from the 165-pound belt for whatever reason. You would have to ask the company why, why that happened. But um, I never uh, renounced to a fight. I never said no to a fight. I never vacated my belt. That, that's not what happened. People started to insinuate things and putting words in my mouth like saying that I vacated this and I vacated that, you will never find a video in which I said, hey, I'm Luis Palomino, I'm vacating my welterweight belt. No, what you will find is you will find me saying, I want to defend my welterweight belt, but I never got the opportunity. 
So they gave the opportunity to uh, Jake Lindsay versus Gogo, uh, Gogo Slavinsky. And Gogo Slavinsky ended up winning that fight. I'm here watching it like, okay, what the hell is going on? You know, like, what's my belt being fought for? You know, so I, I wasn't a part of that. You know, it wasn't my decision. You know, um, Gogo Slavinsky ended up winning that title. And something happened down the line where uh, he ended up crossing over to another promotion, Karate Combat. So by going to Karate Combat, now the organization stripped him of the belt. And mm. since Austin Trout debuted at 165 against Diego Sanchez, you know, and coming from, from being a two-time WBA world champion, I said, this is the perfect person for me to, to defend my, my title against. So I asked the organization to let me defend my title against Trout. And, you know, like I said, I never vacated the belt. I never turned down a fight. So when we were talking about fighting, um, I, and they, wanted me, they wanted to keep me at 155. So I could understand where the company was like, we don't want nobody holding two-way divisions. And I think that's really what happened, right? But yeah. the competition was very poor, right? So what I said was, okay, I'll do this. I've already defended my title six times at 155, and there's no money fight there for me, which is what I'm looking for. Every time there's somebody with a high-profile name being signed to an organization like Chad Mendes or Eddie Alvarez, you know, it's crickets when it comes to my name. So, so I said, I'll vacate the 155-pound belt because I already have six of those, and I'm going to defend my 165-pound title, and I'm aiming at fighting uh, Mike Perry because the guys on my weight class don't want to fight me, so I have to go and bark at the bigger dogs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this Saturday will be you and Trout officially – for the vacant welterweight title, but in your eyes, you feel like it's a, a title defense because defense. It's, it's my second, my second title defense that I've been asking for in the last three fights. I never lost the belt, I never lost the fight, and I never vacated my belt, and I never turned down a fight. So it's my it's my it's my title defense. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, we're excited about it either way. Uh, Austin Trout, a former boxing champion, came in, debuted, looked solid. Um, and then, of course, against you, I feel like you're the GOAT over there at BKFC. Uh, champ champ status, those title defenses, uh, incredible. I mean, far and beyond anyone else already doubling what Joey Beltran did. Um, look, if you had to shoot us straight, where do you think the lack of communication stems from? Because all I remember is you've gotten down at BKFC and in MMA, you sure as hell didn't suck over there either, man. You had some great fights in MMA as well. I would think that uh, a multilingual guy based in Florida where they do so many shows, what's missing here? I don't know, man. I mean, you know, to answer that question a little more clearly, you know, I was, I was at the, the fight when Eddie Alvarez fought Mike Perry. And, and um, after that fight, you know, I was aiming at, at Eddie Alvarez thinking that, Perry wouldn't have no problem fighting me, right? You know, and this, this is the dilemma that I've been in, right? And this is, this is what explains that answer right there, right? After the fight, after he became the king of violence, somebody in the crowd asked Perry, you know, he had called out all these people. He says, look, I understand you called out all these things that are not in the organization, but let's just stay here in the organization right now. And what do you think about Luis Palomino, the, you know, the, the, the pound for pound bare knuckle boxer has been calling you out? And his answer wasn't a very violent answer after being the king, uh, crowned the king of violence. His answer was like, well, you know, if the organization wants to put whoever they want to put in front of me, they have to have a certain amount of followers, comments and likes, and I don't know what not. That was not a very violent answer. 
uh, when I posted that video on my social media, he got crucified for that answer. Um, and I still give him the benefit of a doubt that it wasn't an, an original, genuine answer. It was more from his management. You know, have a, his management and I, we don't see eye to eye. And they blocked me in the past before and they blocked me yet again. Trying to, what's happening is what I see happening is that this high profile names, no matter who they are, how big they are, they're hiding behind their fame. Like, I don't have enough eyes on me. You know what I mean? And, and I can understand, you know, the, the point of view of the company in the business aspect where you bring in the spiders. You, know, you sign Mike Perry, that was a, a, a UFC superstar, right? You sign Eddie Alvarez, former, you know, uh, Bellator, former UFC champion, Luke Rocco, former UFC champion, Michael Venom Page. I understand this, right? You're, you're bringing them in with the eyes behind them. I think we've done that enough to build on your champions that were building your house. And that's right. me. That's the juggernaut. That's Christine Ferreira. You know, I have six world title defenses. The only two-way division undefeated pound, uh, undefeated champion. The one that they call the number one pound for pound. And it's like I'm over here raising my hand, asking to fight all these high-profile names. And now I'm going as far as three weight classes above, at 175. When I walk around 170, challenging Mike Perry, because they're calling him the king of violence. They're calling him the face organization with only four fights. And they've given him the opportunities that I've been here asking for and that I've earned. They gave him Luke Rockhold. They gave him Eddie Alvarez. They gave him Michael Venom Page. And I'm like, hey, man, throw me a bone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what do I got to do? I, I've, I'm not just asking. I've earned it. Nine and no, undefeated, two-way division champion. I earned it. You know what I mean? That's what I'm here fighting for. Luis, so, you know, I, I think a lot of people would like to see that fight. It makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about the one you have in front of you for a moment. Could you almost argue that a guy like Austin Trout and the credentials that he brings over from boxing, along with how he looked in that first fight, could that almost maybe not be as big as a Mike Perry fight, but as far as skills go, could that almost tell us more? No, man. No, I'm telling you, this is definitely a, a high profile name. You know, I, I like this name. I, I was supposed to fight him a little while back. The fight didn't happen, and now we brought the fight back. You know, but this is a two-time former WBA world champion. He brings all the eyes of the boxing community. You know, Perry and, and Eddie Alvarez to bring the MMA community. Both communities are huge. Boxing is older than, than MMA. You know what I mean? And, like, over here in Florida, you, you know that the boxing community here is huge. So they have all these old-school Cuban boxers and whatnot. Like, everybody's tuned in. This, this event is sold out. Everybody's eyes is on this fight because he's a very high-profile glove boxer, very accomplished, fighting the likes of Canelo Alvarez and giving him a run for his money. The Charlo brothers, he even knocked down Miguel Cotto. Like, the dude has done his job in glove boxing. So this is, you know, a high-profile fight in which I've been asking. It might not be the one I've been asking for, but it's definitely a good start. How different is it in BKFC preparing for different types of opponents? You know, Austin Trout, like we said, brings uh, professional boxing uh, over into BKFC, and he seems to have adapted it very well for, for BKFC, which is something that we've kind of said about you in the past. You've been able to kind of blend the two as well. Um, how different of a challenge is that? How, how, how different are camps from camp to camp? And camps are um, camps are a lot different, man. You know, like, pe people have this misconception that because you're fighting without gloves, everything's like an you know an animal aspect of things. Like everything's brute and brawling. It's not, man. Look, even one of the biggest animals that we all know still alive today, Mike Tyson. 
Even Mike Tyson, the dog that Mike Tyson was and is, right? Even he says that boxing is a thinking man's sport. Think about it like this. He's a killer saying this is a thinking man's sport. You know, there's no gloves here. So if boxing, where your only punches is a thinking man's sport, then what do you think bare knuckle boxing is, man? There's no gloves here. The smallest error will get you knocked out or cut big enough for the fight to be stopped. You can't make mistakes. The preparation is different. Another thing is boxing is an aerobic anaerobic sport. MMA is an aerobic anaerobic sport, meaning you have times where you're chilling, you know, like, kind of like in the wrestling grappling, you're like a little more chill. And then in the, in, in the real quick striking or the, or the, or the switching of or defending chokes and stuff like that, like your heart rate will go up and down. Boxing is, what, 10, 12, three-minute rounds. You have aerobic and times in between those rounds where you go crazy and it's anaerobic. Bare-knuckle boxing is an anaerobic sport. And if you're not prepared to fight an anaerobic fight for five, two-minute rounds, then you don't know what you're talking about. People think, oh, it's only two-minute rounds. I've been doing five-minute rounds my whole life. Oh, I've been doing 10, three-minute rounds my whole life. And they think that they're going to come in here and be in, in, the, in the right shape, not knowing that they didn't prepare correctly for the type of fight they're getting into. This is an anaerobic sport, and not everybody has figured that out. I think that's one of the niches that we have in my camp, but we figured that out very early in the game. It's an anaerobic sport. It's a thinking man sport. And, you know, it's, it's anything can happen in this, man. It's just a little different. Luis, I have to feel like uh, a win here does bring you to that Mike Perry fight, but let's say it doesn't. Or is there anybody that you would maybe want to bring into BKFC to fight you there? I would love to bring many names, but they just won't do it. I, I really look. Jose Aldo's out there boxing. I wouldn't mind boxing Jose Aldo in glove boxing or bare knuckle boxing. I'm sure he won't come to bare knuckle. I think they've asked before. You know, uh, Anthony Perez, the name, the, the name rang a couple of times that like he was going to come, and I don't think he wants to do bare knuckle. You know what I mean? Um, there, there's plenty of names out there that I, that I would love to bring but will they do it will they step will they come to the dark side as i like to call it you know will they take off the gloves and come to the dark side you know what i mean that's that's the real question you know so luis let me ask you this what why is it the dark side let me just throw a few things at you and then maybe that'll even assist with your answer or whatever i remember when eddie alvarez beat chad mendez they asked him and you could tell the primal side of Eddie Alvarez. He was like, man, nah, this is nuts. Like, it's nuts, but I want to be a part of it. And then he fights Perry. And then he had this look like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. You know, like, so, and you've done nine fights. A lot of these other fighters, like, Artem Lobov had a great fight, you know. And, and he, I, I don't know how many he had total, but, you know, he sure as hell didn't have nine. Um, what's that young guy's name? They, they call him Hick Diaz. Jason uh, Knight. Jason Knight. You know, he he was like, man, I'm all about this. But then same thing. He went back to MMA. Luke Rockhold, you know, like that dude's pretty gnarly as well, you know. But it seems like maybe one, two, or three, and I'm good. So what is it about it? Is it the damage done to the hands? Is it the cuts? Is it the sound of the flesh? Like what's that dark side that maybe some of us don't know unless you actually get in there? It's literally that, man. It's the dark side of the game, of the fight game. Everything else is, is, is a competition. It's a sport, right? Uh, MMA is still a sport. You know, uh, glove boxing is a sport. You know, bare knuckle boxing is raw. Bare knuckle boxing is that fight that would, you know, break out in the middle of a fight, like in the UFC fight when the fight breaks out. It's a bare knuckle fight. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's the primal instincts of the human being. And it's, it's why I named my management company. I have a management company now. It's called Primal 
instinct management. You know what I mean? So you have to learn how to manage your primal instinct or else your primal instinct will get you in trouble. You know what I mean? You need it, though. You need to have both sides. You need to be able to have that crisp, you know, good boxing technique. And you have to have that dog in you, like Perry does. When he comes out, it's like, okay, fuck it. You know, it's either you or me. You have to have that. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to last here long. And sometimes you think you have it. And then some fights don't go your way. Or the cuts end up happening. You know what's another thing that really happens, man? And people will talk about this. is in boxing and in MMA, you feel pain when you receive pain, when you get hit. In bare knuckle boxing, all right, you feel pain when you receive hits at a certain amount of time, at a certain point in time, and you feel pain when you give hits because there's no padding in the, in the hands. It hurts when you hit somebody in the head. You might have a fractured hand in the second round and you still got three rounds to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so you know, yeah, it's definitely a, a complete dark side to it. It's, it's, it's the reality of the primal instinct of a human being sticking out, man. <laughs> Are you missing a knuckle, by the way, on your right hand? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, that one right there was in my eighth fight. That was my first and only fracture. Um, Very I, cool. I got I caught Tom Schoff right on the forehead, man. Jeez, that is crazy, man. So the, the so you think like the average lifespan of a BKFC fighter is maybe three to five, and then that's like you've gone far beyond. And then there's some that do one and done. What, what do you think that sweet spot is for most? That's a good. Um, I think that depends on the fighter, like like the fighters that you name. The fighters that you name are hardcore fighters. Adam Lobov, Jason Knight, they were hardcore dudes. But how long? Yep. Look, Jim Ayers. Jim Ayers was the face of BKFC before he got to me. You know, I took him out of 35 seconds, and we haven't heard of Jim Ayers since then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you, you. Some people come in and they think, "I'm this is it. You know, this is my game." And then they find out, you know, man, I don't think I'm really built for this. Or it was my game, but my time expired. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so to answer the question, man, I'd say for any newcomers between three to five years, but for people that are fighting like the way that I'm doing my fights, I think you could do a good 10 years in here. I mean, if you just take care of yourself, don't take too many fights and aim the right way, you know, don't <laughs> make sure that you aim the right way and you're including your head movement and leg movement to the game. If you can, if you're coming in here just to brawl, you're gonna have a very short lifespan in here, man. You're not gonna last. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other combat sports you'd like to try? We've seen karate combat had a nice year where they kind of made a splash onto the combat sports scene. And then we've seen MMA fighters, like we mentioned Pettis, not just do karate combat, but also box. Jose Aldo box. What about those paths for you? Glove boxing was my very, very first love. That's what I first, you know, did and when I was 10 years old, 10 to 13 years old, never boxed again. From then I went to MMA. And when I came into BKFC, I was like 37, turning 38, and I was too old to get a boxing fight. I was, I was training for like six to eight months. I couldn't get a fight. Every time I got a fight against somebody that was like 15 or 20 and old, um, they would call me the next day and say, ah, they said no, because you go into YouTube and you find out that I'm, I'm, I have heart and I have a heavy hand and I'm old. And, and uh, I'm a zero and zero in boxing, so I couldn't get a boxing fight. Now, tables have turned. Now I'm the 9-0, bare knuckle boxer, undefeated, blah, blah, blah. So that record counts in box rec. It counts as a boxing record. So I'm not just zero and zero anymore. So mm. I would love 
to do some high-profile fights in glove boxing, and I don't mind doing it against actual boxers that are in the game or MMA fighters that have come into the game, like the ones you named, and, you know, Anthony Perez, Jose Aldo. Those would be my major first picks. Anthony Perez, Jose Aldo, those type of names in glove boxing. Nate Diaz, that's out there too. I would love to, you know. And um, other than that, uh, karate combat is very intriguing because in MMA, I was a very, I was fair, a, a good striker. You know, the trouble that I had was against wrestlers and grapplers. And even that, I wouldn't get damaged. They would hold me down and they wouldn't even, have, you know, like, like run and pound me because I'll get up. They'll give me the opportunity to get up. So, like, I would lose fights for cage control. Somebody that's on top of you praying that praying to God that you don't get back up because I wouldn't even get hurt. You know, the only fight I ever got hurt in that, that anybody can look up is the Gagey fight. And I love that fight and I'd love to do it again. But uh, karate combat definitely would be something that I would have to do. Um, I heard BKFC uh, mentioning something about doing a cross promotion with them. So that, that would definitely be interested in doing glove boxing or karate combat with the blessing of BKFC and David Feldman. You mentioned MMA fighters that have come over to boxing. You would do that. Um, what about a YouTuber that's come over to boxing? Would you do that? I really doubt that they would go against me. But if they would, I would definitely love that. Look, look, man, at this point in time, you see my collection back here. It goes all the way up. I have like 11 titles back there. You know what I mean? Uh, um, as far as belts, like if you look all the way up here, I'm going to show you something. Look, all the way up there, there's space. <laughs> top right there that's empty that's going to be the 165 pound title that i'm going to defend on february 2nd once i complete that last space right there all my titles are complete and i'm not after titles anymore i'm after money fights all i care about you know is is what i've earned and at the age of 43 I'm, i feel good i feel great i'm not i'm not aging bad at all you know we, we have to understand that i started combat sports at the age of 26 to begin with you know so i think i wasn't the one getting damaged you know uh, I'm, I'm good. I feel good. I'm, I'm improving. I'm not slowing down. My agility is not slowing down. My speed is not slowing down. And, you know, how they, how they say when you get older, the la pegada, the hit, it doesn't go away. It gets better. You know, so at this age, you know, for my family and for myself, I believe I've, I deserve and I've earned the right for money fights. And that's all I care about right now, whether it's going to be in glove boxing, against a YouTuber, in karate combat, or in BKFC. I don't care where it's going to be, but that's what I'm looking for, money fights. Well, I only brought it up because once you mentioned that on your box rack, it says 9-0, and oh, Jake yes. Paul's 8-1, so your experience is the same. You're both based in Florida. You have the recognition of arguably the greatest of all time in bare knuckle. I would think that that would be appealing to him. You know, he's kind of gone after MMA fighters that uh, were older in age, you know, um, but, you know, Woodley, who developed some hands, probably a little different from Askren, who never really had a, a formidable striking game, no disrespect to him. Um, and then Anderson Silva, you know, like uh, we've seen him come over and, and, and do that type of fight. But uh, Nate Diaz, but I'm thinking like, geez, have you ever crossed paths with this guy? You think you're on his radar or, or anything like that? Jake Paul? Hey, funny question. I just met Jake Paul about last weekend. <laughs> Was it last week? Yeah. yeah last, last weekend. So he did um, – my, my coach, Andrew Pareda, does this community run with Coconut Grove. And they did a community run in which Jake Paul was featured there. He was there. So we were running alongside the whole entire time. And that's the first time I've ever met Jake Paul in person, right? So we're running. My coach is in front of me. Uh, Jake Paul's right next to him. And I'm right behind both of them. 
And you know, it was just a 5K run, a real simple run. And uh, my coach introduced me and, and tells Jake Paul, you know, yeah, this is the pound for pound, you know, bare knuckle boxer, Luis Babun Palomino. And Jake turns around and he looks at me, he's like, as we're running, he's like, oh, I know you. You know, I, I know who you are. Yeah, I've seen you fight before. I said, okay, nice to meet you, blah, blah, whatever. The super cool guy, you know. But uh, definitely, man, I, that would definitely interest me if he was to interest him. I'd definitely do it. You know, he's a much bigger person. But what have I ever cared about fighting bigger guys, right? So <laughs> I have no problem with that as long as the check is good. <laughs> I got you. Um, let me put you on the spot a little bit, too. Do, would you say your relationship with Feldman is solid? or No, we have a good relationship. We do. We do. Yeah. Okay. Well, like I say, you know, a few years ago, he told us BKFC was going to Peru and, you know, mm -hmm. he wanted to feature you there. And then that slowed down a little bit. I can't remember if it was, I think it was post COVID. Um, yeah. And then, like I say, we hadn't seen you for about a year. And so then I thought, well, maybe just the, the, the stars not getting along with, with the promoter or something, but you're saying it's, it's a good relationship. A second ago, you said, you said with BKFC's blessing. So it almost sounded like you're being a team player. All yeah, this just yeah. baffles me a little bit why you've kind of been put off to the side a little bit then. Yeah, you know, look, man, it, it, when it comes to Feldman and I directly, we have a good relationship. We, we, we don't have yeah. a problem. We, we see eye to eye and things. But when it comes to the whole organization, the whole BKC team and, and uh, the matchmaker, for example, or stuff like that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not getting the opportunities that I'm asking for. I don't know what I have to do to get the opportunities that I'm asking for. I, I, I can't tell you that I am being a team player. I can't tell you that, that every time that I, I'm asked about wanting to fight anywhere else, I always put the respect first to the organization with loyalty. And loyalty is a two-way street, right? It should be, you know, it's, it's both ways, right? And mm -hmm. uh, to get back to what you were saying about Peru, um, that was kind of uh, our president's fault. So when we were aiming at going to Peru, our president went to jail, man. <laughs> so I was like, damn. And so, you know, once our president went to jail and things were like, kind of funny in Peru and I was there. I was there in Peru and I was like finding things out and working things out, you know, to bring in the organization, to bring in the show. I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to bring in the organization in such a bad time that we couldn't sell. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and I can do, and another thing is I can do it all by myself. I was there by myself doing everything that I can do from my own, from my own pocket. You know what I mean? Now, if BKC was to give me a sort some sort of budget Right. And, and I've spoke to David Feldman not so long ago. Like, for example, we have the prospect series now. Right. And I'm going to bring this back up to David Feldman after the fight. And I'm going to ask because he told me that he would do it. But right now I'm focusing my fight. So my fight is right now, this week. Once this fight is over, I'm going to bring this conversation back to David Feldman. I'm going to ask him, look, let me do a prospect series in Peru. I'll organize the whole thing. I'll handle it all. I need is the budget. Give me the budget. I go over there and with that budget, I'll do all the press I need to do. I'll do the show with fighters in Peru because we have plenty. I was there and I saw them. We have plenty. And it's not just Peruvians. We have Peruvians. We have Colombians. We have Brazilians. We have Venezuelans. We have like 1.8 million Venezuelans in our, in our country right now. And a lot of them fight. You know what I mean? So we have a lot of blood out there. You know what I mean? So if I can get this budget going from BKFC and do this prospect series sometime soon after my fight, then there's no reason why I shouldn't defend my title at the end of the year in Peru. I think, well, I don't know the politics side of it, but I'll tell you this. When there's an athlete that has success in Peru, I've seen them, that notoriety is something that's uh, very appealing to 
Peruvians. Uh, I'm going to go old school. Back in the 80s, the Peruvian women were really good, you know, and they would always do well in the Olympics, sometimes a bronze or a silver, and they were always going for the gold. This is the 80s. This is six-on-six women's indoor volleyball. You've seen that in the Olympics, right? It was big. Soccer's always been big. Then they had a female boxer about 10 years ago that was really, really good. They had a a few surfers that did really, really good. So when someone's clicking, someone's popping, Peru gets behind them. You saw when Pinedo came back with the PFL world title, he was received really well as well. I, I, you know, and, and then like this might be a reach, but isn't there some festival in Peru where people get down and throw down? I don't know if it's in Cusco mm-hmm. or where, but kind Peruvians of love yeah. their athletes and, and they get behind it. That, you know yeah. what festival I'm talking about? Yeah, you're talking about Takanakui, man. It's, man it's, it's in our blood, my brother. It's in our blood. Yeah. It's, it's older in a 500 year tradition where the villagers get together to resolve their personal problems. Through a bare knuckle mm-hmm. fighting, <laughs> boxing fight, you know, even women with women and men against men, that's how they solve their problems and move on to the next year with no problems. And they do it every single year. It's called Takanakui. <laughs> oh, okay. so you got to be a part of that community, or could you come in and just be a, a guest <laughs> fighter? Or, I don't know. Like... I talk to people about going over there and just to be a part of it, but definitely not to fight them because they don't have the type of skill either. You know what I mean? They're like raw. Mm-hmm. Raw, all hard. Like you got a problem with me, I got a problem with you. Let's solve a fist fight. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, dude, that would be so cool. And I think right now is a great time to do it. I was, I've been in Peru for a few months now, Luis, um, helping my mom recover from a hip injury. But I got a chance to go see Messi and Argentina against Peru in a qualifier back in October. Bro, I was blown away. I literally went up the steps into the stadium, the Estadio Nacional, right? I'd seen Peru in the United States, but I'd never seen him in Peru. And then you could hear the chanting, the fireworks, the vibration of the stadium, you know? And then the teams warmed up, and they went back inside, and then when they came out, and the captains let them out, and again, all the fireworks, and Messi came out, and the Peruvian captain came out. Dude, I was blown away, man, and... And like I say, I, I just think that um, this country can get behind a big popular sports figure. 9-0, yeah. champ champ, six title defenses. That's nuts. Why this? Why you haven't fought in Peru already to me? That's hey, what I've been saying, right? We, we have a Star Plus that, that streams us over there. People already definitely, you know, tuning into this. But like I, yeah. said, like I said, I can't do this on my own. I've, I've done a lot on my own you know I've, I've gone to peru you know i remember i was illegal for 31 years you know i just got my residence card last year you know i went to peru after after 31 years i went to peru and i paid a a publicist right i paid out of my pocket six thousand dollars to go and do a press release over there it was great it worked out it was on every channel every tv every newspaper it was, it was great but this is what i'm doing out of my own you know by myself Imagine if I had the organization behind me, we can pick up out of 39 million Peruvians. Imagine picking up just 1% of that, man. Like, it'd be great for the company, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When were you here? <laughs> huh? When were you here last year? Uh, when were you here? Uh, what month was that? That was, uh, babe, what, what month was that in Peru? The hits to the head. Uh, what month was that in Peru? <laughs> It was in last year? Yeah, it was last year. It was last year. Oh, man, I even got stuck in Peru. I think it was uh, uh, right before my birthday. Uh, 
September. Yeah. Well, look, I, I barely missed you then because I got here in October. Um, well, like I say, I, I hope it works out. But I guess the focus is this Saturday, Austin Trout. It sounds like I know nothing can distract you because Goz and I were on a military base with Luis the week of his fight. <laughs> and the dude was great with the troops, was great on the whole trip, and still went out there and whooped some ass. So I know that when it's time to turn it on, you'll be ready. So apologies for taking it to the route of, Perry and all this other stuff. It's been a while since we caught up, but I know one thing: your focus will be on Trout. He he's got some good game, but so do you, man. This is gonna be a great one. Hey, the army thing was a hell of a trip, man. I'm always down for that. You guys ever uh, need somebody to go over there again? I'm all in, and I loved it. That was awesome. That was a crew, huh? We had Llamas, King Mo, yes. Dan Anderson, you, oh, yeah. Eric Nixick, the the extreme the coach of the year, you know, in MMA. We we had a crew. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Awesome, man. We'll talk to you soon, Baboon. Good luck on Saturday. Got it, guys. Thank you. All right. See see you. He's passionate about getting this sport to Peru, and he really wants to kind of make BKFC his home. Like, he's not sounding at all like a a punk, like an elite punk, you know, at, at BKFC, when, again, he does have the stats to prove it. He's being respectful about everything. You know, he, he, he says... He wants to try boxing. He'd even do karate combat, but he always says, with the permission of BKFC, look, if he gets this win, I don't see how you deny him. Uh, and when he gets the mic, he really needs to say something pretty nasty, I think, to get uh, Mike Perry's attention at this point. But mm-hmm. Austin Trout's no joke. That's no joke. That is a very, very tough fight. And I, I'm almost positive, you know, Austin Trout can kind of call his shots i think if he gets a win he could basically call for whatever he wants so i don't see why luis can't yeah i'd like to see luis against perry and he's willing to give up the size uh that's two weight classes above his first title which is uh lightweight he's also the welterweight champ well in his eyes he is says he never got stripped or was never told it was taken away but this weekend they will be fighting for the vacant welterweight title at bkfc all right, just to finish up, look, we did a great interview with Brittany Palmer. You know how the YouTube comments section can be the Wild West, and a lot of people enjoyed it. So thanks for tuning in. Check it out, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video, or download our podcast, Junkie Radio, MMA Junkie Radio, every Monday and Thursday. Uh, Brittany Palmer was on episode 3342, which was Monday show. Uh, so you can check it out there if you prefer downloading podcasts. Uh, a few other things that were pretty cool. Jelton Almeida, UFC heavyweight, he lost to a Down Syndrome fighter in a charity bout, made the kid's dream come true. It was awesome, dude. Did you watch it, Goes? Yeah, that was cool. It kind of reminded uh, me of uh, Diego Sanchez did something similar years back. And that's that. super, super cool. Yeah, I love that. Jake Paul's been booked to fight uh, in boxing March 2nd. You know, Francis Ngannou's got his match coming up March 8th. In February, PFL versus Bellator. I think it's like the third week in uh, February, something like that. All the champions, not all, but like four champs versus champs are fighting in Saudi Arabia. That's cool. Corey Anderson is going to fight Carl Moore for the vacant uh, light heavyweight title at Bellator because Vadim Nemkov, has moved up to heavyweight. Mm -hmm. So it's all there on the front page of MMA Junkie. 
some uh, recent comments by Tyron Woodley. He's not too thrilled that Donald Cerrone, Donald Cerrone made similar money to he, to he, him being a former champion with four title defenses. Some made that up. He's pretty pissed about that. So you can check it out. Uh, and lastly, I'd say Cormier. Oh, no, Tatiana Suarez. She revealed hernia injury is not serious, but it did go down in a strange way. Uh, but it doesn't. Ex she doesn't expect for this to keep her out for a long time. Michael Page says he's going to have an entertaining walkout at UFC 299. I can't wait for that debut. Great signing for the UFC. And lastly, Daniel Cormier says he thinks McGregor versus Diaz 3 would be perfect for UFC 300 main event. I just wonder what Michael Chandler thinks of that because the mm -hmm. poor guy can't catch a break, man. Every time it seems like it's him, he's it. It's him versus McGregor. There's always some pundit or an MMA media guy or a fighter pundit or MMA media guy or just someone else just completely crushing that, you know? Yeah, it's got to be brutal, especially uh, coming from an, a fellow wrestler. Yeah, it's just like, just tell us. Just tell us what's it going to be, you know? I'm sure he's probably wondering and... Anyway, all right, folks, we're going to get on out of here. Hopefully you enjoyed the show with the two fighters there, uh, Brandon Marino and Luis Palomino. And uh, don't forget to catch us every Monday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, for Spinning Back Like. It's live. You can participate in the show via the chat, leaving a question or comment. Usually get to a couple per show. But I see a lot of the comments there, and it seems like a lot of people are really, really digging it. So we're trying to grow our audience Please, if you see it, share it. You can always go back and catch a replay on YouTube. Again, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. Or on our social media, I'm at MMA Junkie George on Twitter, Instagram, threads. And goes is at the goes over at the same spots. Are you TikTok and goes? I don't even know. No, no, I'm not. Are you? Uh, no, I thought about it. I see a few of our colleagues are there, but. Uh, I'm not as of now. Who knows? I may change my mind. Folks, we're out of here. Enjoy the weekend's fights. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you on Monday. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.